Hi, this is Charlie Peck from the Thriving Educator Podcast. Listen, we've got Joshua Stamper today. We're going to have such a great conversation. Josh is on the Teach Better team, but there's such a background that shares all the information that you can share about helping us improve school mental health, plus the work you're doing with the Teach Better team, which is just a massive scale. So thank you so much for being here, Josh. Welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, Charlie. It's been such a pleasure, not only to get to know you, but to see the work that you're doing. It's so impactful and you are making a huge difference across the country. And it's such a pleasure to speak with you today. Well, I am very grateful about that because you and I do have some very common links. So let's talk about your role with trauma and schools because they're two very wide uh, spread topics, but how do you, how do you link those? Oh my goodness. So it was not intentional by any means. I was a brand new administrator at a title one school in Dallas, and we were having a lot of different behaviors on the campus that were requiring a lot of my time. I was in charge uh, as a dean of students. I was in charge of 1200 students as far as providing student discipline. And I was extremely defeated because in my tool bag, I had detentions in school suspension, out of school suspension. And I was using that to the max and we were not seeing a change in behavior. It was just getting worse. And so I was to the breaking point of like, hey, I don't even know if I want to be an administrator anymore. I'm obviously not doing a very good job because Mm -hmm. the data shows that, you know, the the students are having a lot of, you know, behaviors and what we're doing and what I felt like I had in my toolbox was very limited and I was extremely frustrated. So at the same time, my wife and I were going and we made the life decision to be foster parents. And so, um, well, we did that for 12 years, but at the time, you know, you, you get your life kind of picked apart by CPS and there's a lot of paperwork, there's a lot of training. And I was just like, man, I'm already a parent of two children. I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. Like, why am I having to do all of this? But what happened was one of the trains was with TCU, um, Texas Christian University and Professor Purvis was the one that was leading the training and was on trauma-informed practices with foster kids and its trust-based strategies. And I was looking at how they were identifying the behaviors and then also like really bringing the child in and trying to teach and work through the emotional trauma that's that's happened in these, these kids' lives. And I was noticing that a lot of the behaviors that they were discussing and sharing about with the foster students were actually the same behaviors I was seeing on campus. And I started to make this relationship of like, well, why are they doing things so much differently here in this training with students that are obviously experiencing really difficult things, but getting a really good result. And then we're over here and we're just like looking to punish, 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 and expecting a different result with the behaviors. And it kind of gave me this light bulb moment where it was like, okay, there is a little bit of hope here that I could maybe transition these types of strategies onto the campus. And so I kind of had a renewed and like invigorating feeling about being an administrator that, hey, there's potentially something here that could be used on the campus level. And I was really charged to like find some other folks that wanted to learn more about this information. And so that's what I did. I went back to my principal and I said, Hey, this is what I'm learning through the foster process. This is the training. Do you mind if I dig in more, maybe create like a committee? And they were completely on board because at that point we were all kind of throwing our hands up, like, Hey, we need to do something. We can't just continue to use the same process moving forward because the data, like I said, 
was only increasing. And so, uh, yeah, I created what's called a relationship action team. And I was very intentional about that name. Unfortunately, though, the acronym is RATS. And so uh, we were called the RATS group. And that was not intentional. I probably should have thought about that prior to creating it. But the reason I wanted to do this was one, I didn't want it to be like a top down initiative. I didn't want it to be like me coming in saying, hey, I'm the expert here. You know, this is what we're going to do as a campus. Um, because I was new to this information too. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that there was something out there that existed different than what we currently had in our discipline matrix. And so, yeah, the, the charge was like, hey, let's find some like-minded folks, build this out, and then let's learn together. Let's implement. And so that relationship action team, really, we had like three things that were core values. It was one, you had to be open-minded. Two, you had to try new strategies within the classroom. Um, if they didn't work, at least you tried. And then the last one was like, when things worked, you needed to share it out to your neighboring teachers and invite them to this relationship action team. And so we started with like seven folks at the beginning of uh, this time frame. It was like kind of mid-year. And by the end of the year, we almost had half the staff a part of this relationship action team because wow. you know the people that were doing it were like, hey, this is working. This is what I'm doing. You know, and folks were interested. They, they, they were like, hey, I wanted this also because everyone on the campus was struggling. <laughs> they wanted new techniques. And so, uh, yeah, so by the next year, you know, it was very easy to be like, hey, this is just going to be a campus initiative because half already is already implementing this. And the other half had heard from other folks that we were kind of making a shift in our culture. So, yeah, that's kind of where I was introduced to trauma-informed and restorative practices. And the trauma-informed was obviously with the foster care piece, but when I was doing my research and trying to figure out like, what else can we do? That's kind of when I landed on the restorative practices, which had a lot of like intertwining components to what was happening in the foster care training. Wow, I'm so glad you did that because formulating this team is huge because you're not going to get buy-in from everybody, but it sounded like a slowly progressing way to do it. And the simplicity of those expectations of the group members is key. So there's mm -hmm. three things. So open-minded, you have to just try the darn strategies. <laughs> yes. And then when they work, because because they will, just share it with a team member or, or a colleague, really, not even someone yep. else. This is how it grew. So yep. let's talk about that, Josh. Why, why these days? Well, that's too easy. Okay, we've got to integrate these strategies into daily practice for it to work, right? We're not, we're not ready for big overhauls. That's, we're just not there in education. There's such a crisis. Yep. So as an administrator, how are you going to do that and get that buy-in when teachers are so upset with the system that kids are not being held accountable for their behaviors that are burning them out and threatening them? See what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Trust me. I, <laughs> as far as yeah. training schools and working on multiple campuses, multiple districts, you know, every campus I've been on, this is something that I've implemented and, and completely overhauled um, on a campus. And this is not the norm. So let me just <laughs> make that, you know, very clear. Uh, it is changing a lot of, of minds. And so the reason I wanted to do kind of this grassroots movement was because I knew it was going to take some massaging and some, some time for folks to kind of understand and really to define things. I think that's where the, the big misconception comes from. A lot, unfortunately, right now, a lot of pe people, they hear like trauma informed, they hear restorative practices, and they just like kind of 
think it's holding hands and singing Kumbaya, right? It's, Right. and it's Absolutely. not like that. It's, it's, it's an additional support system. It's supposed to work in hand with consequences. And so defining what consequences is, is probably the most important thing that you can do as far as like talking about student discipline, because, you know, when, and I'll give this example as a parent, I think this, this will make it more clear, you know, going through the foster care training, they talk about time in versus time out, right? So a time in is a very similar concept, but the consequence looks different, right? So the consequence for a child, let's say that they do something incorrect is that, you know, if it's a, if it's a typical situation, you would send them to their room, right? Your, your timeout, you're going away from me. But with a student that has trauma, that's, that's a break in the relationship. You're essentially telling them, go away. I don't want you to be in my space anymore. And so it's fractured, right? And so a time in is that the student is, or the child is not allowed to do whatever they want to do, right? They don't get to play their video games. They don't get to go outside. They're taking a break and, but they're with you, right? So there's still a connection physically, emotionally there, right? And with schools, we do this break all the time, right? It's a teacher sending a student out of the classroom and, okay, go into ISS. Well, now the student's sitting in there for potentially four hours, six hours, eight hours, multiple days, right? And depending on the state, you could be in there from three to five days. And so they're not in the educational environment and there's a break that occurs in that situation. And then we think it's magically going to change and they're going to go into the classroom, behave well and have a, a wonderful relationship with the teacher. And we, we've never addressed the fact that there's been a fracture, right? So the restorative practices component although some people bristle to it is understanding like we need to make sure that we're teaching the behavior. We can't just assume that they have these skills and that they're going to go into the educational environment and then have this fractured relationship, be able to be mended between the adult and the, and the student. So again, it was like talking through consequences. What are some creative ways that we can teach behavior, but it's still hard for the student in the sense that We're not looking for like a public execution here. We're not looking to, you know, kick the kid out of the school. We're trying to make a positive impact in the life. So that way they're an adult that has like these future ready skills, right? If you look at the skills that are needed for a child to be successful in the future, it's not about regurgitating information. It's about communication and it's about having the emotional stability. It's about, you know, having this time to collaborate with other people. And so there's like these natural skills that we need to, as educators, instill in our kids. And if we're just throwing them into a room, obviously those, those things aren't going to happen and, and aren't going to be taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's trauma informed. So it's about a needs based approach. It's like, what, what does the child need? And I think what a lot of teachers are saying, well, what about my needs? What about my needs? And I think as, as long as there's communication around that too, that can be really helpful. I mean, how are you addressing that with your programming when you hear teachers say, yeah, but what about me? I feel threatened by a kid or, um, I lack the skills. Like what skill would you maybe give them in order to make that transition back so that we can prevent these behaviors in the first place. Yeah. So one is teaching the teachers how to do these things, because, you know, if you go and look at a program to, you know, help a teacher get into their teaching licensure, like student management is a very small component to what is being taught. Right. It's a lot about the standards, about lesson planning, it's about the assessments. Right. And so, you know, again, we assume this about the students not possessing the skills or possessing the skills. I'm sorry. 
as administrators, we, a lot of times we assume that the teachers possess the skills to build relationships and be proactive with that. So a lot of times we talk about like relationship circles. We talk about um, having uh, relationship agreements in the classroom so that the, the students are having an option to share out like what it looks like between a student to student, a student to teacher and teacher to student. And students love to provide that for teacher to student, right? As far exactly. as expectations, but it's something that where they're going to be a part of that that environment and to, to hold each other accountable. And you know, we did relationship circles where it was just getting to know the kids, but then also making connections for the kids to each other. And then it was a format that we could also assimilate into restorative practices when if they made a poor choice and they had to, you know, reflect on how they're going to correct the harm. It's already something that's been established in a very low stakes environment. And then when it's replicated again, where they're having to, you know, talk about what they did incorrectly and how they're going to solve that, it's already established. So it's not a new type of environment for them. But just like everything that we did, every meeting, every time that we had an opportunity to talk, there was something that we were touching on in regards to these strategies. And it was both about being the proactive piece, but then also reactive. Like, your kids are going to make mistakes. Uh, you know, I worked in middle school for almost 18 years. I mean, <laughs> middle school kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to, you know, get distracted. They're going to act a fool. I mean, that's just part of it. So, you know, I'm talking through, you know, if it's a low, low level infraction, that was the looking at the data. That was the biggest, the biggest hurdle, right? Let's just say a kid's being distractive. Well, Sending them to ISS shouldn't be your first option. There's there needs to be something else that is provided. And so, you know, for us as administrators, we we're trying to make sure that our students, especially in the low-level situations, because our data showed like there was thousands of minutes being wasted, either kids being in the hallways or kids going to ISS. Yeah. So, like, how can we keep them in the educational environment without fracturing that relationship? And so what we did was uh, a push-in was what we called it. And there's probably a lot of names for it. We we totally stole this idea from a, another school in St. Louis. <laughs> but the idea was that, uh, you know, that they would call the front office so that we could send someone to take over the, the classroom and still instruction still occurs uh, with the administrator. And that way the teacher is able to go out into the hallway with the student, maybe take a walk with them. And then we gave every teacher some core questions just to ask, because sometimes you, know, when you're in a high emotional state, you're frustrated, you're like, I just want to get rid of this kid. Uh, you know, you may not have the tools to be like, okay, these are the essential questions I need to ask to get to the bottom of what's going on in their life. And so that way we can pinpoint what's going on. So that way we can have an agreement prior to going back into the educational environment. And what we found was a lot of times it was just the conversation and a one, one, one time that was needed that the kid shared something horrific, and then we could get them the resources they needed, or an agreement was made between the teacher and the student. And again, it wasn't, you know, get, get rid of them. Hey, get out of my class. You know, because so many times the, the student feels like, oh, this teacher hates me. They, they don't want me in this uh, classroom. And so you're you're not creating that fracture. And so they were able to go back into the education environment and the kid fixed the behavior that was occurring before. And so um, we found a huge success just with the push-ins and and allowing, you know, that that communication and that relationship to, to build upon it, itself and not just taking them away. And then, you know, the administrator or someone else has to, you know, kind of figure out what's going on and be that mediator. It just solved so many problems and took less people to be involved in such a, a minor infraction. Hmm. It's like power. Whoops. I'm sorry. It's, it's very powerful. And I'm wondering, like, is your main audience that you work with, with administrators and district leaders is, or who do you work with the most? 
Well, that's the starting point, right? Because you got to have the kind of like the strategic plan to incorporate on like how you want to go about this. You had talked about time, right? Mm -hmm. All this takes time. So, you know, as far as an administrator, especially when I was young, like when I was the dean of students and I was trying to implement this, I want to go a thousand miles an hour, like, but my teachers were not to that point, right? Because this was all new information and, and I had to kind of get by the biases that are there, right? Because they've heard some negative tones about this work. And so, um, you know, there was a wall that was built and, and it does take some time to kind of chip away at that. But, you know, after three years, four years, you know, that's when you start to see the, the culture shift where it's just about these are the practices that we have implemented. This is what we do. And it does take some time to kind of win, or, win over some folks because, you know, unfortunately, there's there's been some negative talk about various things on social media or maybe on the news or whatnot. And so you kind of have to, like, show them, like, no, these this isn't, like I said, kumbaya. This isn't replacing consequences this is still discipline is still a part of it but at the same point this is just an additional item and so yeah it i work with administrators in the fact like this is the strategic plan but most of my work is obviously with teachers because i mean teachers are what makes up the school i mean that's yeah. like 90 percent of the of the staff so um, and they're the most important as far as being the first line of defense because they see the students every single day well, they really are. And then what happens is if they have the buy-in and they already want a lot of this or they, cause they love kids or yeah. they're the ones struggling. So they're seeking resources on their own. And then they bring it to an administrator and the administrator has not had a mind shift where they're stuck. Uh, so uh, when you do work with people who are leading schools, how do you bridge that gap when there is that disconnect? Cause that happens a lot, even, even though they have both sides might even have great intentions. Don't they, Josh? But no, for sure. Right. A lot of times there is a mistrust there. What, how do you address that? Well, I think it's just getting to the why. I think a lot of folks just don't know and understand the data that's out there. I think a lot of folks just think, okay, my job is to make sure that I hit the standards and that they retain as much knowledge and mastery as possible. And although that's true, as we all know, if they don't have the needs, you know, love and uh, food and shelter and all the basics, all right, their school is not the most important thing in their life. And so uh, I think a lot of times there's a disconnect between the experiences from teachers and, and administrators. I mean, most folks, and this is my experience, is that like 98% of them have never been to the principal's office. They enjoyed going to school. They were successful in their educational environment. And so when you have a population that hates school, doesn't want to be there, doesn't find any value in it. They don't know what that even looks like. They, they don't have that experience. And so because of that disconnect, it's like trying to kind of pull on the heartstrings of the educators to say like, hey, 70% of your kids that are walking down the hallways have at least one form of trauma in their life. That's staggering, right? But most people don't realize it. And a lot of people, they hide it. They they You would never know. I mean, there were so many times where you know, we were seeing behaviors and I was, you know, having to pull a teacher and be like, look, you know, their, their grandparents just passed last night or, you know, their, the parents were fighting all night. The kid didn't get any sleep. Right. Or, you know, they're homeless. I mean, there's so many different factors that um, occurred in our schools, but if you just saw the kid in the hallway, you would never know that was occurring in their life. And so it's kind of just bringing that to the forefront to say, they may not be showing it, on the outside, right? They they may have their Jordans on. They they may have look look 
perfect. Um, but at the same point, like there's still going a lot going on and they don't even know, and they don't have the emotional capacity to even share that and communicate that out to, to the teachers, to the counselor, to the administration. So, you know, we, we do need to have some empathy in that and then also provide the resources to, to make sure that their basic needs are, are there. Yeah. Gosh, some of the, even just the basic needs would help them really come along when, I mean, you've seen, you've seen the differences when that happens. So what if, what are you teaching kids, Josh, uh, or sorry, teachers, what are you teaching teachers for kids who um, elope? That's elopement is a big issue right now in education. So yep. what are you doing? Uh, like, do you have a strategy for that, that you teach teachers? Yeah, I think just the the connection piece, right? Because when a, when a kid doesn't feel wanted and doesn't feel like they're part of the community, even in a small classroom, all they want to do is escape. Right. So, you know, we would find kids in the bathroom, you know, in the, in the stalls or they'd end up, you know, all various different places in the gym or in the locker rooms and whatnot. So the main thing was like trying to figure out, you know, how we could build that connection. We always did, you know, with our really tough students, we always did what was called um, a two, two strategy. It was two minutes every day for two weeks and just having a time, you know, whenever there was a, a down period for the teacher just to kneel down and just talk to a child not about school, not about the subject matter, just about them and trying to build that relationship as much as possible. And typically when you do that, you know, with a student, especially one that maybe, you know, versus to like trying to build relationships with adults, um, depending on their situation and their experiences, you know, that just showed like the teacher cares, they're, they're consistent. And, you know, if, if two weeks isn't enough, make it three, make it four, like, and the more that you do that, and a lot of times it turned into more than two weeks because it was just something that the student needed. They needed that one-on-one -on -one time with an adult. And, you know, with our staff, you know, it was always, we did service with our, our students, but like with staff, we were always talking about like every student in our building needs to have at least one connection and one healthy relationship with an adult in this building. And it was heartbreaking, especially, you know, we did this twice a year. We did a survey at the beginning of the year and then toward about three-fourths of the year with our students and saying like, hey, do you have one trusted adult on this campus? And to see, you know, especially at the beginning of the year, the staggering number of students saying, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, bringing that to the staff and saying, hey, this is the reality, you know, agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. Like, this is the perception of students. So like, what are you doing to make those healthy connections? And I think- you know, trying to, like I said before, like pulling on the heartstrings, you know, that's, that is heartbreaking. As an, an educator, you want to make sure that every student coming into your class, coming into the building, loves being there and, and wants to be connected with those around them. So, you know, it's really about like building a community um, that, you know, is one is, is trusted, but then also, you know, they feel like they belong. I think that's so important for kids. And, you know, if you have those pieces, because, you know, like connection is a huge component every human being wants to connect with someone else and so um, that's why we are talking about the proactive strategies of like those relationship circles and things like that so that they had an opportunity to understand like you matter you're valued you are providing something great in this in this space and we want you here every day and so you know when kids feel like that that's when they want to stay that's not when they're eloping to go somewhere else Absolutely. And that is key. We hear it time and time again. So how do you actually work with schools and districts to make this happen, this training to equip teachers better? Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about the why, right? So that's, that's usually what I do is, you know, having a whole staff presentation of like digging into the data. I mean, there's so many different resources that, 
you know, I provide to our administrators as far as like, you know, books and YouTube and podcasts and things like that. There's so much information. I, I absolutely love it. Um, especially after the pandemic, it seemed like a lot of folks were open to the idea because they had seen just what was going on. And you talked about the basic needs. I mean, there were so many deaths, there were so many people laid off and there's so many struggles and we're still seeing the behaviors now from the result, even from a couple of years ago. And so, you know, with our administrators, just like kind of like I said, doing the strategic plan, getting to that why, but then also doing starting with proactive pieces as far as what you can implement in your classroom, things that we have used on our campuses prior to, but then also working with the administrators and trying to build a team for like the reactive piece of like, okay, a student has made a poor choice, you know, what does that look like? And really digging in, I, I use the term discipline matrix, but like, it's, it's so punitive. <laughs> we have so many traditional practices um, of just trying to, you know, punish, 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 and, and assuming that, you know, um, this work's going to change the behavior. And there's so much data that says that that doesn't happen. And so, you know, trying to work with the, the administrative team of like, what are some creative ways that we can still have a consequence, but at the same time, like I said, it's always about that teach piece, right? Um, making sure that we're finding opportunities to teach. And, and I know the struggle is always time. You know, it's, that's the biggest complaint whenever I'm working with a school district. So I, I get that. And the second thing is resources, you know, time and resources are, are the two hurdles. So it's really about like getting in there and trying to problem solve, like how we're going to, you know, get around those two things, because when you do get over those two hurdles, great things can happen on your campus. Yeah. So let's say I'm a district leader or a school leader. And I'm excited about what I'm hearing right now from you. And I want this to happen in my school, in my district. So what expectations can I have at the end of working with you guys? Yeah, so the expectation is that you've got a completely overhauled system um, because we look at every aspect of the campus, right? And so, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of schools still have an ISS room and, you know, they still have OSS where they're, you know, sending students off. And so, you know, it's just kind of reexamining what your system is right now, look, digging into the data. A lot of times data is not even really a, a forefront of the mind. It, it exists, but nothing happens with that. So it's like, you know, teaching the administrators how to dig into that, just disaggregate it, and then actually make decisions based on that. Then also the communication piece, because there's a lot of disconnect between teachers and administrators as far as what is happening to the child after I send them off or uh, they do a restorative circle or whatnot. And so there's a lot of mistrust because of the communication or lack thereof. And so, you know, trying to find opportunities to teach administrators like how to be able to share what's going on, but not broadcast at the same time, because obviously there's confidentiality and some other components that are very important um, for the child and, and for their parents. And so, you know, it, it's just a, a, a way to, overhaul, but then also understand that there's a different way to do things and changing a mindset campus-wide so that it is a culture of a school, not just like a quick initiative that's going to go away. Because that's oftentimes what the teachers think is that, oh, okay, this is the, you know, the, the new shiny thing, you know, it's the flavor right. of the month. Yeah. And eventually it'll go away. And, and that's what we're trying to say is, no, we're going to put something in place that's instilled in the fabric of your school community and that it's embedded in every single aspect of the school. And so it's really doing a kind of a fine-tuned comb with all of the procedures and things. So that way we we have something established that's what's best for the emotional well-being of our, our, our children.
Great. Wow. Well, I know you do. You have a book and you need to tell about that because you have a podcast too. aspire to lead. The book is aspire to lead. I know you're working on new projects, but if people want to just absorb much more of this, Josh, which they will want to, what, where can they go to find more details about this? Cause it's really, it's really powerful. Yeah. So joshchamper.com. I mean, that's where you can find everything, right? I mean, I've got the podcast on there. I got blogs. Um, the book also is linked there. Um, you know, the book is, is more on like leadership and as a whole, but I do have a chapter on there um, for empathy. And it really digs into a lot of what I've shared today as far as, you know, kind of <laughs> the change that has been made uh, due to the foster care system. And then, you know, some other strategies that were used on the campus, because I think a lot of times empathy is, is seen as a weakness and and that's not true. Like, right our kids are going through some terrible situations. And if we've never experienced that ourselves, we, we do need to dig in, understand what's going on and, and have empathy for the situation and not to give excuses or to placate, right. But to right. be a support system for them in those challenging times. So yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a chapter in the book. And yes, there are, there might be a project going on right now that might uh, dig into this trauma informed and restorative practices uh, further. I certainly hope so. We certainly need it. So please, please reach out to Josh if everyone, uh, if you would like more information on this for sure. But really it's about establishing a meeting with you. Just like set a meeting up to talk with you just to showcase how you can actually support people. Do you have anything you just kind of give people just so that they have a resource to start with? Oh, well, I meet with folks all the time. I mean, like, I mean, obviously with the teacher team, we definitely support school districts, but I just love talking about this in general. So I meet with folks about a whole host of different topics, but yeah, if you just go on to joshdamper.com, go in the contacts and just put that you just want to meet just to talk about this more. I meet with district leaders, no cost all the time, just to, to help support. So that's definitely um, something that I want to give back to, you know, with education, with, with administrators, with teachers. And so if there's something that you've heard today that you want to expand upon and you want to set up a meeting, I would love to do that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, clearly even just from this conversation, I mean, we've already gained a lot of information, so that's awesome. So joshstamper.com. All right. So is there anything else that we've left out that we need to tell people or is there, is there something else? I know you do a lot of work with teach better. So you, you probably need to mention that. <laughs> That's pretty awesome too. <laughs> well, I'm the training and development specialist with the Teach Better team. And so that is a fancy term to say that I have my hands in a lot of different aspects. So we go live every morning uh, on a variety of different social media outlets. I work with administrators every Tuesday morning. We do an ad, uh, admin mastermind. And, you know, we just met this morning on data and how to implement that, how to model it, how to communicate and provide professional development to teachers in regards to that. But we talk about everything under the sun. Um, so I love that group so much. And that's a free group for administrators. Um, Teacher team provides PD to school districts all over the country on the grid method, which is kind of a framework for um, teachers to use for um, allowing students to kind of go at their own pace. Uh, but then we also provide strategies, you know, for like what I do with the, the trauma-informed and the restorative practices. So we, we do to have everything under the sun as far as professional development. We also have a podcast network, um, which I absolutely love. And we created that a couple of years ago. We are now up to 40, almost 45 podcasts on, on the podcast network. So awesome. uh, we have speakers network. So yeah, Teach for a team as a whole, just love supporting educators in every way possible. So uh, we do give a ton of free resources. We meet with folks all the time um, at no cost. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, 
I, I don't want to go into everything I do for the T-Spirit team, but that's just kind of the, the gist of it. Yeah. Well, it's important because it's a network of people. I'm in there, by the way. I'm in the <laughs> MBA program, which I absolutely love. I absolutely love. And if you want to join, check the show notes because I have a link there for you guys to join or just check it out. But I will yeah. say what it does, because there's so many of us in uh, educational leadership who have mm-hmm. leveled up because we just have such compassion and we want to help people the way we've learned. And yep. so that's what it's about. It's about sharing that, but also how do you do that in a way that it hits the masses like we need to. But Josh, I know I've taken up a lot of your time today because there's just so much to cover. What What's one last thing you would like to leave everybody with? Yeah, I think I'm going to share a story just as an example, Charlie, if that's right. Because I think a lot of people, especially on the back end, right? A student has made a, a poor choice. And I, I think a lot of folks are like, well, I know you're saying be creative, but I don't even know like an example of what that would look like. And so I'm going to give one real quick. So for instance, I had a kid go into the library during the book fair and he pocketed a book. He slid it right into his jacket and it walked out. Well, the librarian saw that. And so she very nicely asked the student to come to the front office and brought him to me. At that point, I had a decision, right? I could have easily just been like, hey, you're an ISS for three days. Mm-hmm. But I chose like, okay, that we're going to have a restorative you know, practice here. So what I did was instead I called the mother, let her know what was going on and told her, hey, I'm going to have a restorative circle where it's the student, myself, and the, and the librarian. And we're going to sit down and we're going to kind of figure out a, a plan as to how to teach the behavior. Now, mom was furious. She was like, hey, we have the money. I don't know why he's stealing uh, just throw them in ISS. And I was like, no, we're going to take a different approach. And so mm-hmm. I had that restorative circle. The student decided that he was going to come every morning before school and he was going to volunteer to help the librarian for two weeks. It was probably actually a, a harder consequence than I was anticipating, but a lot of times that's what happens as students do that. So I said, fine, you know, that's, that's what you would decide. Um, we'll, we'll do that. So he did every morning, 7 a.m. He showed up. He helped the librarian. He was even like kind of like a secret shopper to make sure that other students weren't stealing. And then he was also like shelving books and he was doing other some helpful things. What happened during that time was that that relationship was actually built between the librarian and that student to the degree where after his consequence was done, he actually volunteered his time with her even more so. He was trying to show out with his friends. He was trying to look cool in the moment, but he volunteered for hours and hours and hours for a consequence. He learned through that. He apologized on his own to the, to the librarian. And then that relationship grew even more. And the skills that were possessed after and the emotional support that was given between the relationship between him and the librarian would have never existed if I would have just thrown him in a room for eight hours for three days. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the creative part, right? Sometimes going into a restorative circle, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I just knew that we needed to find an opportunity for the student to repair what was harmed. And a lot of times that's just, that's a relationship thing, right? And so mm-hmm. I think just giving everyone that's listening, if you're a teacher, administrator, or whatnot, just giving you permission to not know what the outcome is going to be, but to find a creative solution that's going to fit what's best for that student and for the person that they harmed. I think that's the biggest thing and hopefully the the greatest takeaway that you have in our conversation today. Oh my goodness. That's so important. Imagine if we spread that everywhere and it's not about letting the kid get off with nothing because there's clearly some time he needed to give back, but look at all that was built in the meantime. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And Josh, thanks for being here. People listen up. Seriously, go to joshstamper.com. Um, connect with Josh. And thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. 
Oh, I love this topic, Charlie. And to be able to share it out on your wonderful podcast is just an honor. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks. Guys, this is Thriving School. Sorry, no, it's not Thriving School. This is Thriving Educator. It used to be Thriving School Community Podcast. It has since changed to Thriving Educator Podcast because we are all in this together trying to make our schools improve school mental health. And it does support staff and students. So you can go check out all the services we provide at thrivingeducator.org there. Thank you all so much for being here. And again, Josh, thanks again. Thank you.